step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Years ago, H.G. Wells visualized roads such as these in his science fiction fantasies. And today they're a reality. You're listening to the Afternoon Commute with John Adams and Chris Kendall. Welcome to the Afternoon Commute with Chris Kendall and John Adams. Today is December 8, 2015. If you'd like to hear previous episodes of the Afternoon Commute, you can go to hoaxbusterscall.com and you'll see those posted up there alongside the most recent episode of Chris's Monday Night Broadcast, the original Hoaxbusters Call. Also posted up there are various articles and videos that you might find interesting. Some of those are original in nature, so make sure you check those out. And for any and all things Hoaxbusters, go to hoaxbusterscall.com. Chris, my friend, how are you doing today? I'm uh, doing well. How are you guys doing? I'm doing fine, and we have a guest, as you can tell since uh, Chris said you guys. And I'll, I'll announce him in a minute. I just want to... Uh, Make sure that everybody goes uh, to Hoaxbusters and uh, checks out Chris's uh, Monday Night Broadcast. It was uh, really funny, and Chris uh, reads from an article from a listener by the name of Greg. Uh, well, his name's Greg. I think it's Greg Passmore. And he wrote an article uh, about some stuff that uh, Chris has talked about for a long time as to the legitimacy of the law and how... Uh, law enforcement and government cannot be involved in conspiracy. So I'll leave it at that as a cliffhanger so you can go check that article out and see what, what they're talking about. And if you're joining us for the first time, we welcome you uh, to the afternoon commute. And uh, I also want to say make sure to go and check out uh, Chris and mine uh, HBC special report that we did on Southern California as well. Uh, that is posted up there. Uh, but speaking of Southern California, recently there was an alleged shooting in San Bernardino, uh, not too far away from where I reside. And I'll tell a funny story to kick this off. Uh, I had a lady purchase something from me on Craigslist. And so she showed up to the house and she's sitting out in the driveway and She's just sitting in her car, so I'm waiting for her to come up, and I can see her through my front window. And then she finally decides to come up, and I say, oh, okay, well, do you want to, uh, you know, come in and see the see the sewing machine? And she said, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I, I, I can't do that. I, I have a child in the car. I said, oh, okay, that's fine. Well, if you want me to stand out here, I can you know, keep an eye on your car while you go in and look at it. So anyway, she ended up purchasing it. And after the word, she uh, felt relieved. And she, this is what she said to me. She said, oh, I was just so scared to come here because of the shooting. 
and I didn't know what to expect. And if your wife has some crazy texts from me, then I'm really sorry about that. But when I pulled up, you guys didn't, you know, respond to my uh, text and you didn't respond to my voicemail. So I was actually scared to get out of the car. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so people are feeling the terror here in the Southland. They're feeling it. And uh, whether or not the shooting was real, the terror and the uh, that people feel, I hear people uh, after the shooting happened talk about it at work. And another guy who uh, talked about it recently was Jay Dyer. He was on uh, White Ice Creation. I'm sorry, Red Ice Creations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he did he did an analysis over there. And we always enjoy Jay uh, joining us on a monthly basis to talk about uh, the, what what is the monthly shooting. Or uh, as he uh, was calling it a couple months ago, the daily shooting when it was actually happening that uh, in in that time frame there. So uh, Jay Dyer, Jay's analysis. Make sure you go check check out Jay's analysis. It's uh, one that Chris and I frequent on a daily basis, and we welcome Mr. Dyer to the afternoon commute. Jay, thank you for joining us once again, my friend. Uh, thank you, John. Always a pleasure to be here, Chris. Good to talk to you guys again, and. Yeah, so <clears throat> the after I thought it was interesting in the wake of the impromptu debate that I had with Mr. Roman Baguette, excuse me, Roman Bernard from France, that uh, there it, it sort of we had this event happen and it sort of stoked the flames of the very thing that I was debating with Mr. Baguette, excuse me, Bernard. So uh the red ice fellows or i guess fellow and woman uh invited me to discuss the topic because the question arose there well i think uh, henrik said he heard the debate that i had with roman and he wanted me to give my analysis of that situation given that it was following that debate and so i thought it was just very telling uh, again illustrative of the fact that uh, you know, what I pointed out to Roman uh, seems to continually be the case that you're, you're either supposed to uh, completely adopt a position of everything is a false flag and everything is engineered and there's not any real cultural conflict, or you're supposed to adopt a position of that it's this independent actor, radical Islam that's out there as this uh, independent force in the world. And I take a midway position between those two that uh, the migration of populations, for example, into uh, what the migrants, so-called, that that is an engineered strategy of uh, global population uh, movement. And then on top of that, there are obviously staged false flag events. So my position is that the so-called far right will never ever talk about false flags and they'll never ever talk about, I'm not talking about Henrik per se, but I'm talking about groups that uh, Roman Bernard might be affiliated with. And I, all I'm getting at is just that we've seen this once again, it's you're, you're supposed to either choose an either or. Uh, and I understand the position of uh, you, John, as well. I think that most of the time the, um, Cultural conflict is hyped up by the news. Definitely, that's exactly what the false flags are meant to do. And these staged events is to give the impression that everyone is 
in this uh, hatred of one another and that we're all supposed to be, we were supposed to be polarized, I think is the main point of this is to set everyone against each other. And I lived in California as a kid too. I had, you know, many multicultural friends as a kid. It wasn't really a problem, but at the same time, I noticed a, a very distinct way that, you know, I lived as this, Southern young little cracker white boy in the midst of say a completely Filipino surrounded population. So I'm just using that as an example. I got along with most of the Filipino kids, but I'm saying it was, we were different types of people and it's the same way with Islamic culture, uh, be it of the Saudi Arabian variety or even, you know, the other more, I guess, uh, Sunni varieties and so forth, right? So it's, it's different cultures and different people. And there's Jews in Iran and, you know, all this stuff. It, it, it's possible to live together. But I just think that most of the time what happens in alternative media or when people, especially in the mainstream media, they see these events and then they just kind of react, as we've said many times, and they don't have. Yeah, it, it's, it is reactionary. Yes. And that's, that's and, the main um, point of it. And I. You know, you talk about uh, strategy attention. Um, you you uh, talked about it. I think you were. I think it was in that debate with uh, with uh, Mr. Crape or whatever his name is. Um, and uh, and you talked about uh, Samuel P. Huntington's book, uh, Class Civilizations, um, which uh, at least back as far as the 1990s, everybody took political science. Uh, pretty much had to read that book along with you know, Francis Fukuyama and all the yes. rest of the pseudo-neocons. And so the book plainly lays out that this is going to happen. Now, like you said, I, I, I agree with you that this is something of a culture, you, know, you, you bring on these cultural tensions. And, and I, I, I believe that you will agree with my analysis here is that these cultural tensions don't necessarily exist in real life at first. They are created by the powers that be. The, the differences between people are, are, uh, are uh, superimposed on us. Like, like, like you're saying, you could exist in a culture of Filipinos, just like I exist in a, uh, a land full of Mexicans. Mm-hmm. And everybody gets along. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to, uh, you know, dodge bullets driving down the street because I'm white or anything like that. But here's what happens. People watch the news, people watch movies, people get their differences pointed out to them through the mass media, through the government, through the culture, through talk radio, through the far right, through the far left, through the regular right, through the regular left. They are constantly having multiple divisions placed between them. That then manifests itself into something that that turns into real conflict at some point. Whether that's currently happening for real, uh, I don't believe it is because I don't believe that Muslims really went and shot 14 people in San Bernardino. But does that mean that there won't be people in the future who get mad enough and you know go shoot some Muslims and then some Muslims might go shoot some white people? That is a possibility. Yeah. In the in the future, 
that people will start to see these fake instances and then decide that they're going to get mad enough to actually go do something, which that has happened in the past. Yes, I agree. The only and, and, and so ahead. it just just let me finish uh, real quick is just the fake conflict that is that is born out of you know the powers that be uh, creating the conflict out of thin air manifesting it into reality to get us all to hate each other and to be divided. And then somewhere further down the line, that may take the shape of real conflict. Yeah. I would don't, the only caveat I would add to that is that rather than saying that it's all a top down imposition, I would actually argue that it's both. So you can have people living a completely different lifestyle from their neighbors and they can have an organic, uh, dislike, disagreement. Uh, prejudice, hate, et cetera, et cetera, for those around them, even without mass media or manipulation of the elites. And that's just because it's humans in general, I believe that have, that are, that are fallen. And so, you know, you can, you're going to have, you had these, you've had these conflicts throughout history and it's not just, uh, you know, the, the, the manipulation of, uh, you know, who, whoever's king or prince or whatever. It's, it's something right. that, that just happens in life. I, I agree. The only difference is, is you don't have something. It's like uh, you can have conflict with someone that is that is normal conflict, whether it be, you know, it, it's just there's no media there to put a label on it and tell you what it is. So if you're having a conflict because you're a black guy and your neighbor is an Arab, um the mass media is there to tell you exactly why that conflict is happening. Oh, well, it's because he's an Arab and he's a black guy. That's why. And their cultures are colliding. And whether or not cultures are colliding at all or not, uh, which does happen organically in real life where cultures do clash, there is not some, there's not a constant reminder there like we have here uh, to remind us that there's a culture clash, to point out all of the culture clashes, and to fuel the fire of a culture clash, whereas that might be an isolated incident. Oh, Jay doesn't get along with his neighbor because they have a different culture. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then the mass media is there to tell you, uh, well, Jay, the reason you're not getting along with your neighbor is because he's Mexican. Yes. Yes. That is essentially, I think, the goal of the psychological warfare operations that are these events is to polarize. Um, but I think that, you know, if you have a situation where uh, one culture, for example, believes that you can have four wives and you can't drink alcohol, and then a neighboring culture says you can only have one wife and alcohol is good, you know, that belief system is going to result in uh, some degree of conflict. Right, that's, uh, why you, that's why you have a clash of civilizations because you, you purposely integrate those cultures into yeah, each yeah. other. You bring, you bring them in and then they're so polar opposite of each other, neither one being good or bad, just looking at it objectively. Objectively, is, yes, right. Yeah, it's, it's just, hey, Muslims couldn't be the polar opposite of American culture. 
Yeah, like uh, so this woman, Kelly Greenhill, who writes for she's a Royal Research Fellow, as I understand. I believe she's the Oxford woman. Uh, her book deals with what she calls strategic engineered migration as a weapon of war. So here's somebody directly from the um, Atlanticist elite establishment who who publicly publishes on this topic. And so she's one of the usual suspects, you know, she works for them. She's uh, works for the international security. What is it? I'm looking at her page here. Some sort of, uh, She's one of the ac- she, academics of the of the Western establishment. Is what I'm trying to say. She writes, she's a nice she, she's a nice person. Is what you're trying to say. <laughs> she's one of the good people, one of the beautiful people, according to The Shining, right? But uh, but yeah, so she you know her book her RS or her uh, abstract that I'm looking at here talks about how Kosovo refugees are streamed into uh, an area back in 1999, and that this was a, a, an engineered. Uh, situations. In other words, if, if the KLA is supported by the CIA and uh, Bob Bayer just said the other day in an article that, oh yeah, they gave us millions of dollars to do all that uh, it, with the CIA. Well, so it's not just about uh, reorganizing and raping that existing place. It's also moving a bunch of people somewhere else as a weapon. <laughs> and I'm just saying that, uh, you know, that's from the, the mouthpiece of these of these people who work in the establishment on the think tank academic end of it. She's a Harvard, Harvard University, JFK School of Government uh, person. And I believe she has Oxford lectures, too, that I've seen. Yeah, the whole the, these policies are. Yeah, the, it's a, it's a weaponization of. I guess, you know, like what she talks about here, though, it's immigration as a weapon. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, it, it, it's going to have no doubt a destabilizing effect on the, the cultures and, and societies that, uh, you have just this massive influx of, uh, people with, with whole different ideas of, you know, culture and, 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 uh, how uh you know um how to conduct uh you know different lifestyles different kind of ways of going about things and yeah that's going to create a a tremendous destabilizing effect to any kind of community or existing society and i believe yeah, no it's way around it the cloud and piven strategy is uh make sure that they get on the government dole uh now i'm not saying that people who are on welfare or at fault all the time. That's kind of a neocon Fox news talking point. That's completely not accurate because they won't ever talk about the military industrial complex, which is like the biggest welfare mm-hmm. <laughs> parasite, right? Corporate welfare. Yeah. Right. So they won't talk about that, but they'll talk about, uh, you know, people in the ghetto on welfare or something. And, but, uh, so it's not so much like to bankrupt the entire U S but what happens is, so if you move a bunch of people into, say, a state or a city, it's intended to uh, be a drain on the economy there. And this is why the big corporations like illegal immigration in the U.S. is because they want to – well, it's a way to have a cheap labor force. And uh, so I'm not blaming the people who are – it's just like with Islam in Europe or something, it's not Muslims that want to have completely open borders – uh, it's 
it's a strategy of, of migration and, and uh, weaponization, not just it's 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 just think about everything being potentially a weapon is just the best way to think about it. And it's not just happening one way. It can be multiple ways. So you can bomb a place, re reorganize it and the added bonus of uh, flooding a bunch of uh, fleeing immigrants into some neighboring place that you want to screw up. I'm just saying yeah. from, that, from that pragmatic, hardcore, geopolitical chessboard perspective. Well, Chris, Chris and I have discussed this before. Um, that I, I think what you actually see, if you want to talk, you know, real economics, um, and you know, so you know, there's all sorts of different stuff you can read out there, like like the Cloward and Piven, the Cloward and Piven thing. I know that some of the uh, you know, uh, some of the, uh, you know, like world net, like guys at world net daily or something. Yeah, I, I know they overemphasize that. I agree. So I'm not trying to like play that up. Like the, no, I, I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't saying that you were, but, uh, but you can just reference multiple different books and, and other studies where they say the exact same thing. The, Cl- the cloud and Piven does like the trilateral commission documents from the seventies. Yes. And, and so, um, one thing that uh, that you can definitely see is that you are actually seeing real wealth destroyed because, like Chris, Chris has made a great point about this in the past that that the elite don't have real wealth; it doesn't really I exist. I agree. Yeah. But see, the real wealth, like in the middle class that was allowed to thrive to create the workers for the past, you know, for the 20th and for the 20th century, they don't need those people anymore. Right. They don't need a, they don't need a, a middle class anymore because that era is gone. So what they need to do is they need to consolidate all of that, all of the stuff that people, not, not the possessions, but they need to consolidate all that wealth, but not because they want to keep it for themselves, but because Anybody be able to that well? John, you're cutting out. Uh, do you hear him, Jay? Uh, he's cut out now. Oh, okay. Um. Well, I, I'll just go ahead and add to that that uh, you know. Uh, so we're we're mentioning these um, psychological operations and. Uh, you know, I, I see that as I, you know, I've, 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 I've come to the conclusion that these, these are stage managed and they're, they're, they're hoax and stage events. Um, you know, like I've brought up multiple times before, like the high body count, that's, you know, that, that, I think that's a, a pretty strong indicator that you're dealing with um, a hoax and stage event. Cause I, I don't think that, under even ideal circumstances, no matter how maybe skilled these shooters are, whoever, I mean, and, and they're not, they're not even portrayed as being particularly skilled in any way, but you know, they end up with these really high body counts. Like what was in Paris, 140. And then like in, in San Bernardino with like 14, I think 14 is incredibly high. Um, and, but, you know, based on statistics of, you know, the majority of people that, who are shot, uh, survive being shot and, and, you know, and then, and the whole, you know, logistics of, 
using uh, a weapon that is um, engineered to use in the battlefield where, you know, uh, medical attention is, is often delayed. And then the, the, when you're have a penetrating wound by, you know, 223 cartridge, what happens is that you bleed out and you, you die from blood loss, but that takes a, a considerable amount of time. And that's, well within the time frame of like what most people in, in, in living in a city or something get medical attention. So they, no, idea. no, no, Chris, that's not true. It's just like Bruce Willis and Will Smith and Martin Lawrence busting a room. And it's just like that. And when you, yeah. when you cap 20 people, you immediately fall over dead. <laughs> yeah. You just, that's how you just, it's just like the movies. You, as soon as they're like, boom, you're, 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 you're let, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> yeah. Just stack them up like cordwood and then, yeah, go on to the next scene. And then no, it, that, yeah, it, that's not real. That's not real life. I, I, I know of, I, I know of, uh, I can't think off the top of my head. But I, I know of, uh, m- m- multiple people who have been shot. And and survived, you know. My dad was uh, shot. Yeah, yeah, like like fifty cent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad. My dad dropped his gun out when he was hunting way out in the woods by himself, and uh, had to walk all the way through the woods into into town. Well, not to town, but to somebody's house, and they had to drive him to the hospital. As this was like a long ordeal, <laughs> he shot himself in the arm and. Um, right up to the top of the shoulder, and he's you know he did he didn't bleed out. He said it was uh, you know incredibly painful, but uh, you know he went through I don't know how many maybe an hour or two where he was you know had the bullet in him and and uh, made it to the hospital okay yeah so yeah you don't just like topple over like a you know like a uh, bad boys or last boy scout or something like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean that. Yeah. It, it's that whole uh, that that whole idea. I think it's just really, really just not within the realm of possibility when you're talking about yes yeah, statistics and how how that n- normally would would play out. So yeah. I, but uh, yeah, the point I was trying to make is how we're talking about immigrants as being this destabilizing effect. So I- incorporating these uh, these 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 phony staged hoaxes and all that to go along with this, you know, mass immigration and all this stuff. So you're, you're setting up conditions where like, uh, John is describing like the, the lady is like fearful of like, I can't, you know, even going conducting just regular business with people, people she doesn't yes. know. Right. And it's like, yeah, that, that is, uh, so if she's got some people moving in down the street and they're brown skin and then she's going to be just, they're terrified for no reason, you know, and it's like that, that is all, I think that's, that's how all of this stuff is coordinated. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, you guys have made that uh, excellent common sense point many times that nobody else seems to think about, like how it should be pretty obvious that, that, that the details of how this is supposed to go down are impossible. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just as ridiculous as Adam Lanza supposedly being strapped with all this gear, like something out of, you know, the black ops video game, right? You see, the, right. you see these guys, you know, strapped out with like 20 different uh, cartridges and they've got bombs all over, you know, hanging off their, 
their gear and they've got five guns they're holding and they rush into a building. And I mean, that's just completely preposterous given the fact that this kid looks like a, you know, beanpole autism victim, right? Yeah. Like he's going to have the presence of mind with autism or whatever else he's got going on. And then, uh, be this sort of calculated, uh, just black op commando. Right? Yeah. Just, just, Oh, from playing video games. It's like, come on. You know, that, that is, um, but you know, it's controlling the narrative. And I think a theme, I think it's important to bring up too, is like, Oh, it could be the kid down the street. Oh, you see that, that couple, you know, yeah. even though they have a, a young child and everything, you know, you know, they're, they're from, uh, you know, Pakistan. And it's like, yeah, they, they just go, those well, yeah. people can just go just total apoplectic apeshit jihad on you just any, any second, you know? Well, this whole theme of the sleeper cell, this whole bullshit. That is a big one that, that they've been, you know, pushing quite a, quite a bit. And I think you're right is that the point is to get you to think it could just be anywhere, any moment. You know what I mean? It could just be, it, it could be, it could be, I bet we'll even see like home invasions, right? Like, like there'll be a yeah. home invasion terror attack and it'll be just random so-called, uh, Islamic sleeper cells that are activated and they're, It'll probably be a fake neighborhood like Sandy Hook, and it'll probably be like a, a completely staged, uh, you know, like like little bitty uh, skinny uh, Pakistani guys will, 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 will run through a neighborhood, offing people and, and you know blowing up a house with a grenade. Or I'm serious, it'll probably yeah. be something ridiculous like, like this. Bookish looking, like, uh, like <laughs> nerdish dudes, just like just going on just. Yeah belligerent rampages like blowing shit up and, and killing masses of people yeah yeah i totally see that it's the, it's I mean, the, new, see it. the new serial killer there we go yeah mm -hmm. yeah so maybe combine sandy hook with san bernardino san bernardino hook right and we'll have like a yeah like a just a, a neighborhood rampage i actually there we've seen movies of this right the the home invasion porn scenario of movies and Oh, what's that uh, series? Well, there's several of these, but there's one that has a couple sequels. The first one has Ethan Hawke. What is it? Where it's a, um, the purge, right? The purge is mm -hmm. the scenario of the, the, uh, the rant. The, so every year the government allows there to be a whole night of where you can do whatever you want. So it's like a, it's a future dystopia, a near distant future dystopia where, well, near future is what I meant to say, where at uh, like New Year's every year in order to quell everyone's uh, hatred of everybody else, mm -hmm. the government, the government allows a night of chaos. And so everybody looks forward to this holiday every year and you can go out and you can just rampage and shoot up neighborhoods and invade houses. And so that that's what happens in this film and its sequel. Uh, and then there's another horror film that was like this called your, your next where it's this, just uh, random uh, incidents of uh, home invasion, terror and all this stuff. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if just speculating out loud, like maybe we'll get a combo of all these. Or, or yeah, or domestic terrorists working with Al Qaeda and yeah. or ISIS or whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, you see this kind of back and forth where they had a, uh, 
the uh, uh, Planned Parenthood shooting, yeah. and yeah. then kind of right uh, right prior to the the Muslim. So they give you the domestic terror and the Muslims, and that's been an ongoing theme throughout all this stuff, even going back to you know ninety five with the Murrah uh, building bombing and all. Oh that. yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't want to go into the bond stuff because I know we've talked about that a million times, but. Uh, you know, the more I think about it and reflect on Fleming's stuff, you know, when he introduced Spectre back in the 60s, he was saying that the future would be terror because that's Spectre's whole thing is that they're an international terror organization. So even in the fiction in the 60s, which is you know supposed to be like this total Cold War era, everybody was already kind of being prepped for the coming age of the international terrorist organization, you know, Cobra command. Right. Hello. Well, Cobra command is, uh, now is like, if you look at your, your typical militarized police, it, it, it's like, Oh, that's, Oh, they look just like Cobra Commander, <laughs> right? You know, it, it, that's 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 totally, uh, I think, a direct parallel there between okay, okay. So that was allegedly the bad guy, yeah. But then the the good guys look just like the bad guys. So I mean, exactly. It, yeah, it, it's some something going on there was some psychological manipulation on some level, I'm sure. But well, right. and and then ISIS, ISIS. Kind of, they all look kind of like Cobra Command too, wearing their their gear. Well, the good guys and the bad guys kind of look the same, right? And then right. so, and then, but I mean, everything about ISIS is completely re- just over the top, preposterous. As much as the San Bernardino, in fact, the more you watch it and look at it, with all these videos being staged, which we covered you know many times, and then I sent you guys the link of ISIS training, which is in mainstream news, and they're all getting kicked in the balls. <laughs> Yeah. Now you were in the military. My dad went through. He never mentioned that uh, big, the ball kicking uh, period of boot camp was that something I just didn't hear about, or I didn't get kicked in the balls. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't recollect anything. I'm, you didn't line up with everybody, and your your drill sergeant didn't. <laughs> no, it was Chris. Get you piece of shit. <laughs> Spread them legs. No, it was psychological pummeling. Yeah. Is, is what it was. So yeah, I know. I'm yeah, I know. You in your family jewels right now, you worm. Yeah, he had a fondness for letting you know that he was gonna skull fuck you. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna skull fuck you, Kendall. That's what are you smiling? What are you smiling about? I was like, man, you're just like way too intense, dude. It's like, yeah, you can't crack a smile. You can't. But yeah, it's it just yeah, psychological. Conditioning, you know. Well, it's like everybody's supposed. We're all in boot camp, right? And that's how government operates towards us, the public. Yeah, we're we're going through the same. We're being we're being taken through the same traumatization uh, conditioning process. That's like uh, been well honed in 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 yeah, like the institutions like a uh, military or boot camp and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, my dad when he, my dad always yeah. wanted me to go in the military, and I always said no. And he was always like, "They will break you down and build you back up, boy." 
And I was like, I don't want to be broken down. I'm, I'm happy as I am. Thank you. Uh, not, not interested in being broken down and built back up. Uh, yes, it just uh, always seemed completely distasteful to me, but, um, but yeah, I mean, if you think about it like that, like, like the drill sergeant and, you know, obviously full metal jackets probably a bit over the top, but, uh, from what I've heard from all my buddies and, and family members and people that have gone through boot camp or whatever, uh, when you watch something like full metal jacket, and I think he even says that, oh, skull, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. The guy, the crazy guy in that says something to that effect. I think it's been a long time since I watched that, but. But, uh, you think about those techniques and well, what is it supposed to do? Well, it's designed to get you to break down the existing person that you are as an individual. And it's under the guise of, oh, we're going to give you discipline because you're just not disciplined as you are as a human being. And, you know, until the state comes and quote breaks you down, right? You, you're not, you, you're not really uh, a, a true human being, right? You're not, you're not really. And I see it as fitting into this, this idea. Um, like I talked to uh, one of the, that one guy or uh, to uh, Pastor Mike about Hegel. Uh, and, and one of your callers, I think, said this too. You know, hey, somebody called in or said something about, uh, you know, Hegel said that the state was the march of God on earth. That's correct. If you read Hegel's uh, work on, the philosophy, the political philosophy of the right, I think it's, it's something to that effect. I, I read it back in undergrad, but, but, uh, you know, Hegel thinks that the state is the incarnation of God, right? I mean, he, he views the state like it's, it is the church, it's the body of God, it's the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so therefore being, a, as we talked about in our first interview, right? Being a courted personhood is something that is, is granted to you by this so-called authority it's granted it's it's bestowed upon you and then then when everyone else recognizes you in your company or your troop or your whatever your status is and your military organization right just so by extension it's this exact same principle that undergirds statism mm-hmm. well you, you know what else too is that we are seeing you know most people are uh, here, including us to a certain extent, we're being broken down and reorganized by the yes. state through through all of this uh, psychological terror. Exactly. That's because, what yeah, because, because, you see, Jay, you might potentially be one of those people. All of us. Yeah, you you may potentially be one of those people who might go crazy one day and decide to do that. So what we have to do is we have to create these situations preemptively beforehand in a controlled environment to make sure it doesn't happen in real life. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I, I right. think that's that that is like a kind of ideological justif- justification and the underpinning for like why would why would people do this? Why would they participate in something like this? Well, and if you notice, if you notice throughout most of these so-called events, capstone events, whatever they are, the media consistently says they were radicalized on the internet, radicalized on the internet, radicalized. They were, they were posting on Facebook, which is like what a billion people do, right? I mean, come on. (laughs) 
Uh, so, yeah. uh, what is that supposed to? Oh, so if you go on the internet and read, uh, you know, outside of mainstream sources, it, it's yeah, it's like you're saying, like it could just happen, like it just just poof, right? Like, ah, well, you you remember you, you guys remember those uh, after nine eleven they had those terror manuals that they were giving out to cops. I, I heard this on I heard this on Jones, and then I actually went and looked it up, and it was true that they had those terror manuals where it was saying. Uh, you know, you, you got to be on the lookout for terrorists. They wear blue jeans. They have cell phones. <laughs> it's like everybody wears blue jeans. Everybody has a cell phone. And so that's that's what what they've done to the law enforcement. It's like it's like oh my gosh, there's you know potential everywhere, and that's what they did after nine eleven. And then, then now they're succeeding over periods of time since then to do it to us too, to where, Oh, well now you yourself, you got to be worried about potential uh, crazy people doing stuff. And it could be, like you said, it could be the guy down the street. You never know. And you especially got to be scared of Brown people with beards. And uh, it's, it's, uh, I think I may have said it to you guys, but I think uh, it's, it's it's about making the category so elastic that it could be anything. And then what happens is a lot of the propaganda, the majority of it has to be focused at the actual people in the establishment. So it's the cops and it's bureaucrats and it's the intelligence people, so-called, and the military who are the most propagandized. They're the ones that really have to be targeted for most of it because they're the focal point of power, uh, you know, out there in, in the world, especially at the local level. So you got to have those officers, you know, believing these outlandish narratives of, you know, Al Qaeda and ISIS and all this stuff, because they're the ones who are going to be out there enforcing this, uh, this structure. Right. Can can I, uh, let, let me read something real quick. Um, and go go a different angle here. I wanted to make sure I got this in uh, before we uh, wrapped it up at some point. And I was, as I, I usually do uh, when Jay comes along, I bring along a book that I think uh, is uh, relevant to what we're going to talk about. And I'm flipping through uh, this book here. It's called Mass Culture, the Popular Arts in America. It's edited by Bernard Rosenberg and Dave Mannion White. So it's a bunch, you know, of course, it's a bunch of the Frankfurt School guys. And I found this pretty interesting. Um, there's a essay in here by a guy named Charles L or Charles J. Rollo. It's called The Metaphysics of Murder for the Millions. Mm. Okay. And he's he talks about uh like Nikki Spillane, uh Mike Hammer murder mysteries that got so popular. And they were doing, like, studies as to why uh, the detective story and the murder mystery was so popular with people, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so it says here, uh, you know, aficionados of murder fiction will concede in a moment of honesty that except in the hands of a few writers, it has been a subliterary product, characters unreal, dialogue artificial, plots highly improbable. Raymond Chandler, who writes classy shockers of the hard-boiled school, but prefers to read the old-fashioned jigsaw puzzle kind, has 
indicted that his preferred reading in two lethal phrases. They fail to come off intellectually as problems, and they do not come off artistically as fiction. A critic impervious to the seductions of the whodunit, Mr. Edward Edmund Wilson, has said, reading detective fiction is rather like having to unpack large crates by swallowing the excelsior in order to find at the bottom of a bent and, and at the, find at the bottom a few bent and rusty nails. And yet, as mystery fans love to point out, the detective story, besides delighting millions, has, re- has uh, regaled great men and great minds, chiefs of state, FDR, Woodrow Wilson, men of letters, revered the highbrows, uh, Yates, Elliot, Guide, college presidents, renowned generals, and scientific geniuses. They have been, um, and so skipping down here, what it, what it's saying is, is that all, all those people have, you know, said that they love murder mysteries, even the most highbrow. These are solemn questions worthy of being explored with the ant-like industries of experience to a PhD, but alas, no such scholarly excavations have been made, presumably on the theory that nothing of consequence is buried beneath the frivolous facade of the murder mystery. This theory, as I hope to demonstrate, if only in strictly amateur fashion, is grievously in error. Okay, and so what he goes on to say here... The mystery story draws us into a suspenseful game in which we can't lose. If we figure out the answer, we feel devilishly smart. If we don't, we enjoy a juicy surprise. Okay. Now, when he gets into the uh, metaphysical aspects of it, this is interesting. I thought you guys would think the detective story began to flourish in an age in which science was beginning to undermine the traditional teachings of religion, notably the belief that man's life was ordered by a divine providence. Science offered as a consolation prize, the doctrine of inevitable progress, which affirmed that man would eventually solve all his problems by applying them to the methods of science. This credo enshrined in the classic detective story, Sherlock Holmes with his microscope-like eye, his tireless pursuit of clues, the flawlessly empirical march of his logic, and has often been called the scientific detective. Holmes himself, of course, is a uniquely inspired figure, but he was preceded and has been followed by detectives galore who are prophets of the scientific method. Yes. Okay. Now, the other thing he gets into, and I won't uh, dip any deeper into that, uh, but it, it is a good uh, essay. People should check it out. Um, what he talks about is how uh, people like the mystery because of the drama of it all. Okay, and and that's kind of what le- what led into the creation of the motion of the detective motion picture as well. Right out out of the detective novel. Now people like the fictional aspect of murders and mysteries and mysteries being solved. And like he said, when you get a when you get a story, um, just like a movie, you you get you uh, both things are gratified. You get the mystery plus you get it solved. You know, right there. Well, what we're seeing being played out in front of us is gratifying the public as much as it is terrorizing them. Right. Because oh yeah, it's it's uh, I I called it uh, me, uh liturgical psychodrama, viral liturgical psychodrama, right? So like back when the <laughs> when the Ebola scam 
was happening and everybody was worried about getting a virus. Well, actually, it was the psychodrama of the media story of Ebola that was the real virus that everyone was yeah. getting. Right. And so so all of these things that we see played out in front of us, uh, you know, starting with the O.J. Simpson trial, which Chris yeah. and I have talked about in the past, yeah. is that you see this drama played out for you uh, day by day. Oh, I wonder what happened today. What, did, what clues did they find? Uh, is there more Muslims? Oh, my gosh, what's going on? And see, you're living the drama yes. through the medium of the television, but yes. you're feeling the terror for real. And it's a daily thing. It's not just watching a two-hour and a half movie. Now it's, oh, we're going to live through the drama through uh, the daily updates and, you know, the uh, – posts on Facebook and everything else, you know? Yeah. It's this, it's, it's the perception that you're part of this story following along with it because it's really all it is, is reality TV and reality TV is, is not real. It's scripted. Uh, reality TV shows are completely scripted. Now it reminds me too of, I was thinking, it's funny you said that cause I was thinking about OJ the other night. I was talking to, uh, this girl, it's a friend of mine. And we were talking about how preposterous the whole OJ, OJ thing was because all the people in the courtroom became stars, right? Johnny, uh, what's his name? The black guy, the, uh, Johnny Cochran is becomes this big media star. And then Judge Ito's a star too. And then it's OJ. <laughs> yeah. Did you and hear, so, did you ever hear me and Chris talk about that? I haven't. No, but, but here's the thing. So, uh, what what is that what that shows what that demonstrates just that alone is how unreal the so-called judicial system is because right. this is supposed to be like an actual real court drama that's going on in a case and if that was the, if that was so why would it be uh, why would you turn it into this unless you intentionally wanted to turn it into a big media production uh, quite obviously. Right. But, but it's not just that it's, that was done for a reason that, uh, ironically was parodied quite well in the comedy show Arrested Development where they had a, a fictional, uh, uh, a fictional, um, uh, court, uh, court show, uh, called, uh, Judge Reinhold and it was Judge Reinhold as a judge. <laughs> Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, too. which yeah. was I thought was yeah. a great uh, kind of parody of that whole phenomena, as well as going back to. I mean, when I was a kid, you'd go to your grandmother's house, and she would have Judge Wapner on, and then so Ju Judge Wapner prepares the way for Judge Judy, and Judge Judy basically just you know sits up there and screams at you like a bitch, and that's sort of teaching people that oh no no you don't like go and like Chris was saying with his. Uh, infraction fine uh, argue the case you like get screened at and you accept whatever this person wearing this robe says yeah it becomes a trial by media is what Patrick Henningsen called it and, and, and to give him credit for the, the daily shooter thing he was talking about how what happens then is that the whole the whole media does like a trial by media which is kind of what oh, happened yeah with OJ and then they say, Oh, uh, we've determined that because these shooters were tweeting about ISIS as they were driving away in their OJ style drive, drive away, which I was saying 
to my friend as well that this scene of this chase is was ominously parallel to the OJ fiasco. So they're supposedly tweeting about ISIS while they're having this shootout driving away from the police. Come on, that's preposterous. <laughs> and then and then so how do we know that it was ISIS based? Because the the media determined that they were tweeting about ISIS as they were driving away in this shootout. Well, trial by social media, trial by internet media, that's completely ridiculous. But that's we saw the start of that with OJ, where it was like, oh, America's going to decide, you know, with OJ. And then we have uh, Casey Anthony, these kinds of situations pop up like this. Yeah, it's the same thing they did with the Boston bombers. You know, yeah. they were they were tried and convicted through the media, through what the, what was coming out through the media. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think that, you know, it's a totally another co- totally contrived stage managed event. And, um, that, that was to, uh, yeah, it's part of a conditioning process. Yeah. I think that, that makes a lot of sense that the, the whole, uh, trial by media where it, it's like, you know, people have already convicted this, uh, well, basically what amounts to a persona yeah, like right. OJ, you know, it's like they've, they've convicted them in their, in their minds. And then that, that is part of the part of the process and it, it, it kind of just well another thing too it reinforces the whole notion that uh our, our our laws and courts and everything are actually legitimate and they're there for yes. you know yeah. everybody's safety and well-being right and then you also had you know swaths of males trying to figure out what day lee resnick was giving testimony <laughs> <laughs> um and, yeah you got the uh, diva on the on the. Well, isn't it interesting though that there's a whole there's a whole series of these. There's there's. Well, well, wait, wait, real, real quick. Uh, tell us about the series, but I, I wanted to add real fast that uh, Chris and I pointed out that the that the entire uh, spectrum of reality television is six degrees from OJ. There was an article in Vanity Fair that was written about that. It was called the six degrees of OJ and how everybody who was spawned from reality television is connected to OJ in one way or another. And he is the father of reality television. Wow. Well, there you go. That makes my point better than I was making it. <laughs> Amen. I'll, 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 I'll send you, uh, I'll send you that article and you can see, because remember Robert Kardashian was OJ's friend. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else from there, uh, including the Jenners are all connected to OJ as well. It's, uh, it's pretty bizarre that there's that, that once you read this article that you're like going, wait a minute. I mean, this OJ trial is probably as real as reality television was is exactly right. And and if you think about it, how, why are there a whole slew of these? So think about Natalie. Uh, what was her name? Joran Vandersloot. Remember him and and Natalie. Uh, Joran supposedly murdered Natalie in uh, the Bahamas or somewhere. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, then there's uh, Scott Peterson, and there's Casey Anthony, and it just keeps going. And there, so it's like every maybe six months to a year, you get a new one of these OJ style events. Yeah, I agree. Very high profile media circus event. 
and but, the, but it's the like thing, the court, the court thing, and everybody gets into it, and they're like, they think that they're lawyers, and they're like, are you? Oh no, he's he did it because he was he looked. You see him, his face that day in court. Well, he must have done it the way he looked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's taking you through the process, you know, and it's taking you through that process where you're you're not you're not necessarily just uh, a bystander; you're a participant. Also, people, um, Natalie Holloway, that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Holloway. Yeah. People get into the idea of that they, like, like you're saying, like that they actually know something about something they don't know about. Yes. And so they really get into that. And instead of like actually going out for themselves and trying to find something out, uh, about it, it's like you could hear it, you know, secondhand. Oh well, I've watched enough court TV to be able to argue my own case. Yeah, and that everybody, everybody's at work the next day talking about it and talking about who had the best argument and who whether OJ's gloves fit and all this bull crap, which nobody from a TV audience could ever determine. That you know, was just that's just it's just over the top. <laughs> impossibility, uh, you know, just, and I wouldn't, I just, I don't even know what to think or say to this stuff. It's so, so bizarre. Now we had one of these cases around here and, uh, my question is, which I mentioned before the Holly Bobo case, what I want to know is why is it that Natalie OJ Peterson, Casey Anthony, why are these the ones that are chosen? Because there's murders happening all the time, and nobody seems to ask that question. Like, like I know that you guys have, but I'm saying in general, people don't ask that question of, well, there's a court case happening like nonstop. You go down to the courthouse, there's like court cases perpetually, <laughs> mm-hmm. and a lot of times, oh, yeah. and a lot of times it's murder cases. So why yeah, is it this and that one that's like the whole news cycle for you? You know, like weeks. Yeah, the um, I actually know a guy that I went to high school with, and he, and I, I've told the story before that he's currently involved with a, a second degree murder case. And if you would, uh, if you were to look into this uh, particular case, you would find that it would make a great. Uh, story to splash across headlines and make a TV movie about, but you won't. <laughs> you won't see that because it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and that's what that's what I think a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff is that Chris and I allude to is that these these cases get chosen uh, based off of the fact that the the stuff that is uh, presented as being real is in a controlled environment to where nothing can go wrong because if you're reading off a script like in a movie, the only thing you have to worry about is, uh, you know, some set some set lights not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't have you don't have to worry about uh, anybody uh, any family members getting uh, upset and angry because somebody got murdered, and you don't have to worry about uh, you know a murderer actually going crazy and killing the wrong people. So now, what do you think about the OJ thing? Because I didn't, I haven't heard you guys take on it. Do you, do you think it was uh, all, all manufactured to kind of prep for these phases of like reality TV that we're talking about, or you, you think he really 
was involved in something? What, what do you guys think? I tend to think oh. it was manufactured. Not. I, I want to put this in there, like to add to what John's saying is that. Um, so you have the, you have this control narrative, and I think it's like I think it's something that's important to understand. It's like um, if if you even just kind of step away from it and look at it from the aspect of like it's it's um, at a at a at a certain point, you'd have to recognize that the OJ trial was a commodity. It's right. a commodity. It's just like a it's it's just like a piece of, of media or or like a film or a production that yeah. Ha, yeah. that yeah. It's, so it's it's got it's, the world's it's, attention. So at, at that point, it's a, it's a commodity. So so after that investment is made into the initial investment, just think about making an investment into a real actual trial where a real actual murder took place. I mean, there's so many variables and so many things that can lead it off into a direction that where it would cause people to lose interest, maybe. Or it gets bogged down into some technical particulars or maybe some stuff that's just not of interest. But you'll see these trials, they'll have like new revelations that come out and it follows like a progression, just like. Yes, a, exactly. Right. Just like exactly. any kind of scripted or, or if it, but see, people are so conditioned and bombarded with, uh, fiction that, that, you know, and they talk about this, like Ordorno talks about it in his book on mass media and stuff like that. There's the, the people lose. The ability to, to distinguish between what they're being presented with is is is, is this fiction or is this real, and Amen. and I yeah there's been this concerted effort I think for a long time to to continually blur those lines and blur I think the that's threshold why, right yeah yeah I think that's well, why another, it, here's here's one here's one thing in the OJ trial I will mention just to just to back up that I think it was uh, fake. And that is, they didn't even have the original forensics guy uh, testify at the trial at all. The guy who took the blood and was at the on the scene, he was right. never asked to testify. They had the rock star forensic guys come and testify with his evidence. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so the the guy who was actually on the scene doing the whole thing, he never testified. That could go either way. But just know that he, I mean, he was never asked. He was never uh, called to the stand or anything. And they, I mean, I know they do that on a regular basis. Like, oh, we're going to have this, you know, rock star forensics guy come in and explain it in the proper manner. But that seems a little bit shady to me. And um, that's just one little tidbit of information that uh, I would add as to the kind of shadiness of that particular trial. Well, I remember the glove thing too being a little bit ridiculous where they really played up that glove thing and OJ struggling on TV to, to get it on and the news played that clip over and over and over. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty lame. I remember they, remember they, they made fun of it on Seinfeld too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with with the, he, the attorney who's, who's like the jo Johnny Cochran, his name's Jackie Child. <laughs> and he sees a woman walking down the street in nothing but a bra, which which uh, causes one of the characters to crash his car. And so they're having a trial over this. And then they have the lady try on the bra and she's all, it doesn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But you remember yeah. who was the photographer that was featured in the trial that uh, when when it came down to like what it, it, the, ty the type of shoes he was wearing, because there was a, allegedly some bloody shoe tracks 
And the Bruno Mollies. The Bruno Mollies, but who yeah, who yeah, was yeah. the photographer who like uh, had had pictures of OJ at uh, I don't I forget where it was, but he had all these pictures of OJ that he had took as just a photographer uh, that showed him wearing that particular brand of shoes. Yeah. Who you guys remember who that photographer was? Uh uh-uh. Robert Groden, uh, the JFK dude. Robert Groden. Wow. Yeah. So you know. Well, and think, this yeah. is this is somewhat tangential, but every time I think about all of that, I think, well, AJ, OJ just happened to be in Capricorn One too, which is about the, <laughs> uh, you know, so the Mars <laughs> mission, wink, wink, being staged. So OJ's in a big movie, well, TV movie about a big mass staged media thing. Yeah, and then, never like uh, never end. He- he he's got this whole new life as this uh, uh, kind of central figure, and you know, like what we talk about with the kickoff of reality TV and all that. So he's got like this, um, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's sort of bizarre and maybe not like the most desirable kind of. But but you know, like you have people that, uh, from what I understand, like you know, people that are are used to being given all this attention. You know, like OJ was for years, and then like he's just all of a sudden forgotten about, but that he comes back into prominence with this whole well, yeah, and, and all this and other stuff like Trump. Oh, he's suddenly, you know, he's what's that show? Oh, what's his big NBC show that, so that's had its run. And then, Oh, now he's just going to happen to run for president after, uh, what's uh, the one where he screams you're fired. Whatever that dumb show is. You fight. Yeah. You're fired. The, 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 the apprentice, the apprentice. apprentice. Yeah. Yeah, so he he has his ten year run on The Apprentice, and oh oh, he's, now he's he's going to run for president, right? Yeah, and apparently that was like one of the most popular shows on cable or something like that. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, from what I understand, yeah, he was, was bragging about that. Popular. He was saying he was saying everybody else has tried this, nobody's done it but me. I done ten 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 successful seasons. It's great. We're doing great. It's wonderful. Nobody else tried. Mark Cuban tried it. He couldn't do it. I had 10 successful seasons. It's wonderful. Now I'm going to run for president. <laughs> yeah, he's a, uh, you know, recognizable figure. He's like a, he, he, he just reminds well, me of like a, well, he was involved with pro wrestling. That, that, that exactly. Too. So he, he just likes being out in front of uh, people and being intent, getting all that attention and, and all that. Yeah. And then you know, it's like, oh yeah, we'll run you for president. And then do a repeat of the uh, pro uh, Clinton exactly. uh, uh, Dole uh, back in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, and then the, you get your Ron Paul in the the ten, the, the tens, and then now our new uh, third party outside uh, man of the people is uh, is is just happens to be like this TV star. That's the other thing you have to keep in mind is that. You know, this is a long tradition of, as we pointed out, Fidel Castro getting roles as an extra. He, he's also had more recent film roles. <laughs> I've found yeah, Ronald Ronald Reagan when one for the Gipper. Oh, he just happens to be an actor. Arnold Schwarzenegger actor, and they go into politics. Now, John Stewart's going to go into politics. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, Al Franken. Al Franken went from Saturday Night Live to politics. I mean, there's a whole slew of this, and yeah. Jesse Ventura. Oh, yeah, there you go. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, they're all kind of 
in the run in the same circles in entertainment, you know, wrestling and then, and exactly. then movies and the Jesse Ventura acts with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Arnold Schwarzenegger. He doesn't do wrestling, but he does films and so does Jesse Ventura. But they, 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 well, they were bodybuilders too, though, because, uh, you know, Arnold did that bodybuilding movie that was famous. Which was another um, cult, uh, a, a cultural creation of yes, you know exactly. that whole that that is a whole another big culture out there the bodybuilding culture and and uh, yeah the uh, steroid use and all of that stuff which that they're is, promoting to women now which yeah which is all these all these young women are into uh, getting buff <laughs> yeah which is which is uh, I I've well what I talk about I used to work in a photo retouching lab. And then there was like a couple of, uh, of those female bodybuilders that would bring their photos in there to get retouched. And yeah, it's just absolutely just way extreme with it, you know, like, uh, um, obviously on the steroids and, the human growth hormones and all that. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it, it is a, it's a pretty big thing though. It's a, it's a pretty big thing. And I think that, I think that ties into, um, uh, transhumanism in a, in yeah. a way. It's good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think that, uh, the whole body modification thing and then it, it because it, it, it encourages like the, the very extreme end of that, you know, like chemical, like dosing yourself with chemicals and artificial hormones and stuff like that to, uh, uh, achieve this like impossible physique, you know? And yeah. And I think that'll yeah. tie in. That's going to tie into, I think I mentioned it to you guys, Regina Dugan, the uh, woman who went from DARPA to Google, which by the way, that shows that the whole uh, competition thing that, that we've discussed between like Apple and Google and all this AT&T, that's not fake because all these people go through the revolving door of government to Google, to DARPA, to, to Apple, <laughs> yeah. to, they just go, go through the revolving door. So when she went to uh, DARPA, I mean, to Google from DARPA, which is supposed to be government. So then she goes to Google and she's like, Oh yeah, I'm the head of uh, R and D or whatever. And then when she goes to Bilderberg, she talks about, uh, the future is going to be wearables and, and bodily mods. So there's there's a person directly out of uh, DARPA, Google, transhumanism saying that. Is she the one that they're interviewing? Or like there's just like this panel? And yeah. It's kind of like and and then she's talking about how wonderful it is to like swallow a chip. Like That's a it. Pill. That's and, it. Yeah. Oh man, she like for some reason she just grates on my nerves I, that that person well that picture of her from wire magazine that i've shown where she's she's makes and i don't usually make a big deal out of this the vigilant citizen type stuff but that 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 picture she's like making the all-seeing eye with her fingers literally over her mm-hmm. over her yeah. face i've used it on my site several times yeah yeah that 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 is uh um yeah a common theme that you keep seeing coming up over and over well, I would, I guess, uh, we're going to wrap this up. I would say in summation that, you know, that we can constantly look at different angles of what we see in modern American living when we look at things like Hollywood or we look at the events like this San Bernardino so-called event, so-called attack, or we look at uh, mass media 
stories even in recent past, like OJ, what we constantly see is engineering, right, in the background. We see manipulation. Uh, I did get a chance to watch a bunch of the videos of the people who were supposed eyewitnesses. And so I, I had a couple points I wanted to make on that. And because it's illustrative, right? So you have right when this event happened, I was watching a lot of local news stuff and you have this uh, chubby Mexican woman comes on and she's smiling and she's like, Oh yeah, my friend called me and they were, uh, they were having a mass shooter, but she said that, uh, you know, she was like, okay, and then so they go to this guy who looks like a spec ops guy and he's standing there with his flat top and his uh, Ray-Bans draped around the back of his head. And he's like, yeah, my brother's SWAT and uh, he knows all about this operation. They're going to take down the terrorists and don't you worry. These people aren't going to get away. We're going to take out these terrorists. Huh. And then, and then we start seeing all these other witnesses and it's kids that have supposedly lost their mom and all the same patterns that we've seen. Uh, exemplified in the brilliant video that you put together, We Can't Stop Laughing, which uh, I think illustrates this perfectly, right? Where it's this girl's like, uh, yeah, so like my mom was dead. And then like, so everybody's tweeting me and like, be strong. And like, so, you know, I'm just uh, doing what I can. And then she smiles and, and then Anderson Cooper says, and you've uh, created a page where people can send you money, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's a, that's another big telltale giveaway is, yeah, I was pulling up some articles today about, uh, Sandy Hook, uh, $8 million, $7.1 million, Charleston, $29 million from Obama, Boston oh. bombing, several million dollars. So this is, it's a big charity scam too, I think, which is a giveaway. Yeah, and uh, I think I think another thing that plays into it too, um, you could go look at uh, San Bernardino and and corruption, you know, in their local mm. government there, and uh, yeah, all kinds. You pull up all kinds of videos and stuff, or you know, maybe there's some activists there, and, and did you just pointing out how corrupt they are there? Did you see the guy who was like the head of the hospital there? Did you see that clip? I don't think I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man, this guy comes out and he's got like, he looks, he's got these dark glasses on and a flat top and a suit. And he's like, he's smiling. He's looking around smiling. <laughs> they're like, they're like, how many victims do you have? He's like, oh yeah. Yeah. What about 14 victims here? And he's smiling. <laughs> they're like, really? Yeah. This is supposed to be the people that were just immediately trucked over from the shooting. Right. Yeah. I mean, this guy just looks so shady. I mean, he's like the, just the slimiest, shadiest guy. He's smirking. He's like, yeah, uh, yeah, you got 14 victims. So they're like, what's the condition? Yeah. yeah can't really say. <laughs> Good. Did you have any new news? No, nah, nah, just got 14 victims. That's all, that's all I can say right now. Looking around, like, you know, like picking his teeth, kind of like. <laughs> Really? Yeah, it looked like a mob guy. It looks like he, it's like John Gotti. You were talking about John Gotti on your talk, and I was watching this head of the uh, Los Loma or Loma Linda, whatever it is, medical facility that all the people supposedly went to. This guy looks like a total gangster. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah it would surprise me if he was, he was actually a gangster. And <laughs> you know, I think it's important too to remember, like <laughs> the John Gotti, is- John Gotti medical facility. Yeah, uh, yeah, bring them over here. What do you got? Some stiffs? Stack them up in the corner over there. 
<laughs> get to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I know. It's just. <laughs> And Joey's got the defibrillators out back there. Uh, uh, just step into this, uh, step into this wet concrete bucket here, and uh, we'll we'll take care of you. <laughs> yeah, just defibrillate them and then stack them and the, put them in the dump, you, dump you out in the bay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, well, I, well. Here's one more thing I want to add to that is that you know we got to remember that okay. The government is just, I mean, they're men and women and, and like their whole, uh, modus operandi is to, you know, force us at gunpoint to pay, you know, taxes to pay for their quote unquote services. Right. So within that framework, you think some criminality can get up in there? No. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) But, But, you know, people still absolutely put their, faith and trust and in, in the in in you know quote unquote authority and the authorities like like so so we're we're postulating a certain you know scenarios which you know, like I always say I don't know I wasn't there I wasn't in San Bernardino I don't know but what what's presented to me though is so outrageous that it's like I have to reject it just on the certain just principles of just basic mm-hmm. logic and reasoning and everything and, uh, but, you know, to, to, I think the majority, it's like the, the, the concept that they would be lied to on that level is, right, is, right. yeah, is just something that they can't, uh, come to terms with. But then, uh, on the other hand, it's like, yeah, you got to remember though, those, those people that, you know, represent so-called authority, like the, the overwhelming majority, majority of the time for the average person is that you're dealing with complete and total strangers. Complete total yes. strangers to you. You don't and, know who these people are. You don't know them. And as you pointed out, when you think about it as so-called wartime scenario, or we're in a wartime scenario, wartime geopolitically is all about lying in yeah. totality, right? It's because it's all about, oh, the people over there are, they're all demons over there, right? The, the, the mm-hmm. Germans, they're all demons, the the demonization of of whoever the so-called enemy is and so what does that mean well government engages in mass propaganda to uh, characterize and dehumanize uh, the other the other just the amorphous mm-hmm. other right and so the very nature of wartime itself necessitates and revolves around mass scale deception so if a person has a hard time understanding how it could be, uh, well, keep in mind that we are in the perpetual, perennial, eternal wartime state of the war on terror, which is also part of this mass deception. Yeah, and, you know, kind of going on about this stuff, it's almost like it, it, it's sort of this um, – I think there's like maybe an inclination that people can get like, oh, it's, it's all hopeless and it's all doom and gloom because the government's really the bad guys and the, it's really the opposite, it's the opposite of what we always believed and been told. But it's like the reality of the situation is like what I want to point out. I like, I like to point this out. It's like those people are are, are minority. Yeah. They're, they're a minority. And then, you know, they, they attract to that, those positions, these, these, uh, you know, sociopaths, psychopaths and stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, well, am I going to broad 
brush paint everybody that's in, you know, quote unquote government. No, it's like, no, but like it, you could, you can definitely, you, you definitely, if you have familiarity with like going through the process or going to the courts and stuff like that, you, you, you run into like a individuals who are adept at manipulation. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, so the, I, I think they're, they are not ideologically driven for the most part. I think they're just, basic just pragmatists like you know okay yes. they understand how you know this, this manipulation and stuff works and they'll go higher up in the ranks there's there's other well that, it's just yeah it's yeah. about getting ahead i mean it's yeah. i've seen it in jobs i've had with managers and out of all the jobs i've had probably seven out of ten managers were like completely lying and stealing from the owner <laughs> just mm-hmm. just completely criminals just psychomaniac liars they were on pills they were on drugs they were just nutcases uh and uh you know they either would get caught and fired or they'd move up right because uh that is how our system is geared it's geared yes. to reward that that yes, personality right. type the ruthless uh not um uh it has no empathy has no uh like real kind of moral fortitude or yeah, they, they, they'll take money out of the cash register and put it in your, uh, uh, bag and go tell the, uh, the uh, owner that, uh, that you put, that, that you took the money out of the cash register. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And I, and I think that like, you know, like, again, the, I think the, that these people that they, they represent like a, a, a very small minority of the overall people in general. And, uh, I, I think that's what, uh, is important to keep in mind. It's like, yeah, so you yeah. got this minority of people out there that are basically justifying their exist, you know, from one perspective, they're just simply justifying their existence by any means necessary because they're not restrained by, you know, it, it, just like the court cases I brought up, you know, that the, the courts have ruled that the media has no obligation to tell the truth. Right. Uh, the, the, the government has no duty of protection for the, the average citizen and, uh, politicians can legally lie. So out of those three court cases, you know, what, what the, that's a, a official mea culpa of, yeah, we're a bunch of scammers, liars, and crooks, and we should not be trusted, period. So, yeah, I think that's important to keep in mind when talking about all this. It's like, yeah, there is no law against faking, staging, and hoaxing news events. There, there just yeah. isn't. There is no penalty. There is no law for it. There, the, 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 from what I understand, whatever law or mechanism would be in place, there's such a high standard of what would be required to get a prosecution. It's, it's basically pointless to even have such a thing. So, yeah, you know, you have to prove intent. You have to prove uh, uh, direct, deliberate harm. And it's like, yeah, how would you do that? Even if you wanted to, I mean, even if you had the means to, to, to carry uh, a lawsuit out against the, the media and who, who would do it, you know, it's like, uh, right. And anybody who tried to do that, well, any of these big corporations has a team of like 50 lawyers somewhere in Texas that, uh, they'll just immediately call up and you'll never beat the team of 50 lawyers. Right. Right. But then, you know, you have the perception that, oh, there's a, there's due process. And <laughs> yeah, right, right. Everybody has, yeah, has access to it. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, man, I really appreciate you being on the, 
afternoon commute today, and uh, so I know you you got to get uh, get going here. Yeah, so, thank you. It was good talk. Always yeah, learn, good. always learn from you guys. Yeah, I enjoy it, and I think we've done done a pretty good job of like focusing on some points and and getting some more clarity on them. You know, I think well, I mean, it's just the, these events are just rolling out. You know. Uh, you know, daily shooter is a bit of an exaggeration, but it's not far from the truth. I mean, accurate. It's more, I guess, l- technically weekly shooter. <laughs> like we're getting a, yeah. a so-called event a week, and it's just like never-ending attempts to traumatize everybody. And really, the, the the main point that you've made and I've made many times too is that it's all just about fear. And once you deconstruct these events and see them for what they are, you're not. Uh, you know, it's freeing. You're not uh, constantly in fear. Not that I was, uh, you know, like last year or something or a year before, but, but the more that you see the truth of these things, the less afraid you are of fictional boogeymen. Yeah. And then you got to look at the disconnect between what, what are the solutions that are being offered? Uh, so the scenario is, okay, so we're under attack by this, um, ISIS, the, this this ideologically, religiously driven, motivated uh, sort of un, un uh, you know they they're sort of nebulous. They're sort of everywhere and anywhere at the same time. But uh, the solution to this is to for for more stricter gun control laws on the citizens. So it's like, <laughs> no, that's absolutely the opposite of they're what coming you to would, get you. You better watch out and. Give up your gun so you can't protect yourself to the yeah. people coming to get you. Right. So, no, like a real threat would be like, okay, we're, we're going to start initiating policies that we, we want to encourage more people to conceal carry. We want to encourage people to, right. to like, ar- you know, arm and protect yourselves. There's only so much the police can do, obviously. Um, but no, that's, that's, so yeah, there's this huge disconnect in between what we, we would see in a real, a situation like that where it's like, oh, we really want to protect the country and we really want to, you know, protect our, our people. It's like, yeah, let's 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 have a, a national defense, a real a militia or a national defense force where the, the average person gets gets familiarized with firearms and how to handle them and then carry them. But no, do you see any kind of motion towards that at all? No, no, because it's not a real threat. It's not a real threat. It's, it's totally contrived and stage managed and phony. And the ISIS videos completely demonstrate that from their training videos of being kicked in the nuts to the videos of them supposedly beheading, which never actually show anyone being beheaded. Yeah. A quick cut edit to, oh, yeah, we're fixing to cut his head off, but no, we're not going to show you that. And it we just happens too graphic. Yeah. And it just happens to be in Iron Man three and it just happens to be in a Turkish soap opera. It's the exact same situations. <laughs> I know. It's like. <laughs> It's like, how do you, how could you even make something like this up? You know, it's like, but you know, people got to go out and look at that stuff for themselves. You know, they got to look at the Iron Man movie and it's like your jaw is going to drop to the floor. That's all I can say. It's like considering when that came out and then uh, what it depicts and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then, yeah. And then the Turkish soap opera, doesn't it have like, Almost to the T, the the beheadings and just exactly. Yeah, it's like this. Great. Even a dude even kind of looks like the jihadi John character. People of America, we are unhappy with you. <laughs> yeah, you have killed our people, and so now 
I'm going to behead this man for your terrorist actions against us. <laughs> it's literal. Yeah. It's so bad. It's a, like you said, it's a <laughs> movie thing. No, he's, he's a lot like the, the, um, Shakespearean actor in the, in the, uh, Iron Man film. You know, he's, he's <laughs> how do you know he's acting? Well, you know, check him out. You know. find, you know. him later, find him later that night at the bar, le- leaning on the bar stool drunk. Yeah. Perfect Kings of English. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, yeah, that's, that's how of course, they, I, I appeared in my last ISIS video last month and, Oh, the director was such a such a bore. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, man, that's 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 real good. I think we could probably leave it there, and uh, that okay. that would. Uh, um, so yeah, again, appreciate it. Yeah, everybody, check out uh, daysanalysis dot com, and. Uh, look at all the audios and the materials and the really good articles that you got up there. You're a really good writer and you, and you're, and you got a real knack for making things like, you know, succinct to the point and, and really bringing out some good points, uh, for consideration there. So yeah, I, Thanks, I highly recommend that. So cool. you, yeah, you got, by the way, you got anything else you want to, um, um, there? um, you can get Esoteric Hollywood as my book now is available for pre-order. So if you want to help me uh, keep doing what I'm doing, uh, kind of trying to live off off of that now. So you can get Esoteric Hollywood on uh, Amazon. And that's pretty much uh, a collection of the stuff that I've done. And there will be, it'll be out in June of next year, but you can pre-order it now. And then there'll be, a lot of uh, stuff will be added to it that's not on the website too. So it won't just be stuff that's public. It'll be some new material. And then um, I'm in the midst of a big analysis of the shining right now. And uh, I take a different view from uh, some of the uh, more popular online approaches to the Kubrick movie, the shining. So, so that'll be out in the next few days as well. Oh, great. All right, thanks thanks again, man. And yep. uh we'll hopefully talk to you again soon. Absolutely, man. Thank you and uh keep up the good uh insightful sardonic podcasts. I love it. <laughs> All right. All right, Jay. Thanks a lot, man. Yep. Take care.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.